And now, a reading from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 21 through 31. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Wasn't it announced to you from the beginning? Haven't you understood since the earth was founded? God inhabits the earth's horizon. Its inhabitants are like locusts, stretches out the skies like a curtain, and spreads it out like a tent for dwelling. God makes dignitaries useless, and the earth's judges into nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely are they sown. Scarcely is their shoot rooted in the earth when God breathes on them, and they dry up. The windstorm carries them off like straw. So to whom will you compare me? And who is my equal, says the Holy One? Look up at the sky and consider, who created these? The one who brings out their attendants one by one, summoning each of them by name. Because of God's great strength and mighty power, not one is missing. Why do you say Jacob and declare Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord my God, ignores my predicament? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God doesn't grow tired or weary. God's understanding is beyond human reach, giving power to the tired and reviving the exhausted. Youths will become tired and weary. Young men will certainly stumble, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. Here ends this reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Thanks be to God. Amen. Consider the vastness as well as the nearness of this divine mystery that we have come to call God. So transcendent and yet as close as our next breath. So powerful and yet so gentle. So inescapable and yet so hard for us to find at times. Just 30 years ago, if someone said they were going to do a search for something, you might have imagined they were talking about emptying drawers or closets or rummaging through a basement or going to a mall to find what they were looking for. But today, if someone said they were searching for something, I'd bet our minds would jump right to the internet. These days, you can find pretty much anything you're looking for online. You can order up anything your heart's desire, and in no time you can have it delivered right to your door. You can click a few buttons and locate a stock or an investment. You can click a few more times and have made or lost money within seconds, all from the comfort of your home. Over this past year, as our nation, and for that matter the whole world, has grappled with the COVID-19 pandemic, those of us lucky enough to have the technology have spent an extraordinary amount of time online and in front of screens of all different shapes and sizes. And here's a bit of an aside. I don't know about you, 
But I think I've directed some of my angst into this last year into retail therapy, if you know what I mean. Those online advertisers are tricky. I've been a part of conversations among loved ones talking about how sick we all are of connecting via technology. Zoom and screen fatigue is real, but I've also been aware of what a gift the technology is and has been for us all. Imagine what it would be like if we couldn't see one another at all for a year or more. Imagine life if we couldn't search one another out and connect with a telephone or with a camera on our computer, with our families, with our church families, with our friends and other loved ones. Now imagine next what it might be like to be able to search God out in this way. Maybe like social media where we choose what we see showing up in our news feed. But it's all programmed to point us to God. What if we could just set up an algorithm that filtered out all the voices and messages we don't want to receive and hear from and focuses only on the voices and messages of God? We could make sure that any distractions or idols or unwanted voices, you know, things that pull us down, were banned from our feed. And maybe we could get an app that would allow us to order up what we needed from God right when we needed it and then get it delivered with contactless delivery. Now I'm really starting to stretch it, aren't I? But even in this fantasy, we know it would be difficult for these searches to be free from tampering. I mean, how would we know that we were receiving God's voice and not a, a Russian bot? sent into the comment section, or even onto our own page to stir up turmoil. It is so very easy to get lured or hooked and distracted by all the plethora of voices clamoring for our attention, and all of us in one form or fashion end up distracted or off-target or even frustrated to one degree or another sometimes because we give these voices more attention than we sometimes care to admit. At least there is a tried and true way to identify when we're distracted, when we've been listening to the wrong voices or have gotten off course. And that way is when whomever or whatever we have been tuning into or listening to or counting on lets us down. All those possessions we've been chasing never quite give us the sense of self-worth that we've been craving. That great physique we've been so obsessed about and paid for each month by direct deposit to the fitness club hasn't brought us any closer to believing in our heart of hearts that we can truly be loved. The job that has claimed our loyalty and that we've even sacrificed time away from our family for and loved ones for all these years has ultimately failed on its own to sustain a deep sense of identity or meaning. Our political leaders and allegiances, and even the most precious relationships have failed to provide everything we need because, <gasps> gasp, people are human and therefore fallible and finite. And sometimes even our images of God, when we have made God a bit too much in our own image, can cause us to become misguided. You know, when we keep waiting for God to function as a divine automatic teller machine. That God will let us down every time. 
in our search, in our quest for the divine mystery, and in our search for meaning and happiness, perhaps we have learned that those distractions and other loud voices that call to us all the time do not provide healing for our deepest needs or losses or put back together the broken places in our lives. Those distractions, even the most delicious-seeming escapism kinds of distractions, they will not set us free from the kinds of things that truly hurt or harm us or hold us hostage. It is we who get distracted. It is we who run down the rabbit holes, get lost in the woods, and don't even know we are lost sometimes while we're on this journey we call life. And yet, the scapegoat is often, who do you think? God. Yeah. Some of us would never blame God, at least knowingly, or out loud. But many of us behave as if we are not the ones responsible for our own distractions. We blame others, or we blame our circumstances, and certainly life is complicated, and, and sometimes the blame is shared. Or when we are really hurt or desperate, we even turn and blame God. And the refrain hasn't changed all that much across the ages. It's the same refrain we hear in the prophet's words today. My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. That was verse 27 from our text. In other words, even Isaiah felt like God isn't taking care of me, or he was speaking for the people. God isn't taking care of me. God blows me off. God isn't doing what God should do. Because you see, God cannot be purchased and delivered in nice, neat, tidy packages with next day delivery guarantee on Amazon Prime. Not even for an upgrade and charge. God is not available in Burger King style, have it your way fashion or my way fashion. And these days, the last thing we want to do is to wait if we're really honest. We want what we want when we want it. We don't want to hear that God's wisdom is unsearchable. Come on. Everything is searchable, right? Just Google it. Just search Facebook. Now, I didn't read you all the gospel lesson from the lectionary that was selected for today. I just read Isaiah's text. But in the gospel text also selected for today, I thought it was interesting. Simon comes to Jesus and tells him in Mark chapter 1, verse 37, Everyone is searching for you, Jesus. And it remains to be the case today, I think. Of course, not every person would name Jesus as who or what they are searching for, but I believe that as human beings, just like those who pressed against the door where Jesus was, if we read the rest of our gospel lesson, I believe we all search for someone or something that will heal us, that will strengthen us, that will make us more free as individuals and as a human family. We search for better life, for more life, for peaceful life, for fulfilled life, a life in which we can pay our bills, a life in which we can trust ourselves, in which we will feel better, look better, live better. We search for a better world, a world with less hate and more love, a world with more justice and less injustice, a world with more peace and less violence, 
a world in which we don't have to worry every day about the safety of our loved ones, a world in which the concerns of the impoverished, the disenfranchised, and the oppressed are the drivers of our political as well as religious agendas instead of shareholder returns and corporate bottom lines. A world in which we don't have to wonder each day whether there will be enough sanity left around to keep us from destroying the very planet we live on. We search for a person or a source or a thing with whom we can share our lives and our hearts. We search for a cure for all of our diseases. We search for a stable home in which our children will have enough food for a community in which the reality of our lives can be acknowledged and affirmed. We search for a reality in which the hurts we feel, the brokenness we have inflicted, the pain of others will be soothed and ultimately healed. Everyone is searching for someone or something that brings hope and healing and gives meaning to human life. I believe that whether we know it or not, whether we name it as such or not, we're all searching for God. God is the love and the healing and the justice and the hope and the happiness we all seek. So how do we search for and find this vast and yet very near to us divine mystery whom we seek, the one we call God. Is the answer to have the fastest search engines? I, I wish I could confidently share some stunning new revelation about how to connect with God. Many preachers try to do this, but I liken it to the get-rich-quick schemes. Anything that sounds too good to be true usually is. But all I have are my own 47 years' experience and the stories and wisdom of our scriptures and several thousand years of finite human experience and the pages of history to go on. Isaiah tells us that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. The promise of healing and liberation and renewed strength will be fulfilled for those, according to Isaiah, who wait on the Lord. Sometimes, perhaps right now, we are in one of those waiting rooms. Feels a lot like a weary place, in my experience. Our heart hurts, our feet may hurt, our, figuratively speaking, or literally. We are in a place that is still very dark, and from that place we wait for God because we don't know what else to do. Or maybe we've been waiting and didn't realize we were waiting until just now when we named it. But while we're there, we seek to have our strength renewed. Our searching for God begins on our knees, or in our beds, or on our hikes, or walks, or wherever we steal away to pray. Meditative, quiet spaces and prayer, they have a place in this waiting for God. I don't want to discount that at all. 
Some of us, however, think that to pray means we have to hit our knees literally or close our eyes or speak either silently or even out loud to God. And then when we don't see results, we say, we've got to pray harder, we tell ourselves when we, when we just seem to be getting nowhere. I believe, however, a little different thing about all of that. I believe, as Bishop John Shelby Spong so eloquently put it, he said, Praying and living deeply, richly, and fully have become for me almost indistinguishable. Prayer, he said, is being present, sharing love, opening life to transcendence. It is not necessarily words addressed heavenward. Prayer is entering into the pain or joy of another person. He went on to say, Prayer is what I am doing when I love wastefully, passionately, and wondrously, and invite others to do so. I love those words from Bishop Spong. Now, those are profoundly important words, friends, about what it means in one sense to wait on God, to renew our strength, to be in prayer. Faithful living while we wait, that's prayerful. That's powerful. And if you think about it, it lends itself to another kind of waiting. There's another connection here, I think, for us when we think about waiting for God. When we wait for God to renew us, or when we are searching, or when we feel weak, there's something about this kind of waiting I'll tell you about. When Sheree and I first got married, I was 20 and she was 19, and we were both in college as well as working jobs to afford to live while we attended school, and Sheree worked for a short while in a restaurant waiting tables. There's that kind of waiting. The parallels, they're not entirely perfect, but go with me for a minute. The language of Isaiah strikes me. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. There's a chance that the translation of that word for wait is also serve. Those who serve God, those who wait on God, who live for the common good of their neighbors and not merely for selfish gain, will find their strength renewed in that kind of waiting as well. But how do we do that? How can we serve a God whom we are still trying to find and whose mysterious nature still escapes us so much of the time? It may make sense to us that we have to wait on God, as in sitting and waiting, even in meditation. But consider for just a moment that we could also seek God's face as we serve others and wait upon others. In so doing, we are waiting on God. Jesus taught that when we care for anyone in need, we have shown compassion unto God. We've done it as unto God. So another way to search for God is by serving others, because Jesus has told us that when we serve the poor and the oppressed, we will encounter the divine face. Meditative prayer certainly has a place in waiting on God. Some of you are very good at that. But faithful living and service do as well. There's your God search engine. There's your God page on social media. It's not shiny and new. It's not instant gratification. It's not get rich quick. It's not even completely in our control. It doesn't respond at the touch of a key, a swipe right or left, or the swipe of a credit card. And God knows serving others is not contactless. Let's be honest. 
It's messy and difficult to serve others when we're looking into the face of a person who pushes our buttons or who doesn't appreciate what we're offering. It's very difficult to pray when you're truly trying to listen and it feels like you're met with nothing but deafening silence. But we are assured that as we wait on God in prayer, be it meditative prayer or faithful service, we will, in the vast and yet very near mystery of God, come face to face with God. And we are assured that we will receive, maybe not what we think we want, but that we'll find ultimately exactly what we really need. Strength. Thanks be to the vast and yet oh-so-near divine mystery the one who renews our strength as we wait, the one we call God. Amen.